please take scripture reading from you today. I really like reading scripture for you guys, so I'm going to be today's scripture reading. So like Melinda said, my name is Vicki Brown. I'm one of the founding members of Imago Day. My pronouns are she, her. Today's scripture comes from Romans chapter 1, 19 through 20, and Romans 12, verses 1 through 3 in the message translation. But the basic reality of God is plain enough. Open your eyes, and there it is. By taking a long and thoughtful look at what God has created, people have always been able to see what their eyes as such can't see, eternal power, for instance, and the mystery of his divine being. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, working, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace, it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us not by what we are and what we do for him. This is the word of the Lord. So, as I've read that, does anybody have any things that stood out to them? No, everybody understands it right away. Great. (laughs) Mandy? So Mandy says that this passage, this particular translation is much more generous in its interpretation than the way she grew up, thinking that if you stepped outside of the will of God, something bad was going to happen. Yes, Cindy. So Cindy says that she likes that it's not a dichotomy between good and evil. It's more the paradox of maturity and immaturity. uh, N.T. Wright says that the New Testament is like a suit of clothes that we grow into. So there's a growth aspect to it. Yes, Kelly. So Kelly says, so she likes that uh, who, the idea, the freedom of who we are doesn't change who God is. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to pray real quick before we get into what I want to say. 
God, give me strength. Give me your Holy Spirit. May your Holy Spirit fall tangibly on this congregation, these people who are beautiful and made in your image. Open our ears and open our eyes to see you all around us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, beloved Imago, I try really hard not to read what I manuscript, so it's not going to work today, so I apologize about that. Um, so if I'm looking down, it's not because I don't want to see you. It's because what I think I have to say was given to me by the Holy Spirit, and I think that it's important. It's no small topic, but it's so simple. There's so much I can say, and yet only a few sentences sum it up. Any kind of new life begins with awareness, and our first step to being with God is to recognize that we are with God already. So I asked online this week for you to share with me how you cultivate awareness in your own lives, and a few of you responded with beautiful words, and I love words, I think they matter. The words you shared with me told me of friends asking good questions, breathing, observing, culture pointing towards deeper, timeless truths. You told me about how the divine showed up in the presence of another person at the right moment, or how a thoughtful act by a seeming stranger caused you to remember the good of how a loved one had impacted, your, uh, impacted you in your lives. And I don't take lightly that you shared with me, Imago. You are all beautiful, and you teach me what it is to be more aware in my own life. I will say, though, as I was preparing for today's sermon, oh, look at that. <laughs> JJ, you set me up. All right. As I was preparing for to, uh, in my mind for today's sermon, I did ask my kids what they thought about self-awareness. And... Um, one of them said a few things, and then the other one chimed in, and another one chimed in and said, oh, when you said awareness, the first thing that came to my mind were things like awareness months, like breast cancer awareness month or domestic violence awareness month. Thank you, Miss Libby. And I just thought that was really funny that they didn't think about um, their own life, but think about, thought about how, be, you know, how can I be aware in someone else's life. And so um, that just, they, I think they ended that with like blah, blah, blah. Okay. But as we talked about, you know, talked past these awareness months, so much good came out of the mouths of these teens. And so here's our family brain dump about awareness. We were sitting in our living room. They said, don't lie to yourself. Think about why you do what you do. Be present in your own brain. Ask why you are the way you are. Choose to pay attention on purpose. What we're aware of changes based on our life circumstances. Be present and educated about the situation you're in. And also be aware of what you don't know. Teens get a bad rap a lot of the time, but they gave me so much to think about. And their insights do constantly amaze me. Their thoughts combined with a lot of Richard Rohr, to be honest, um, is mostly what has informed what I want to share with you today. I read Richard Rohr every day. So the topic is obviously awareness, and I really do believe that this is where the spiritual life starts. I don't want you to get hung up on that word spiritual, though, because here at Imago, we believe that everything is spiritual, okay? And, and so I also don't want you to get hung up any kind of hierarchy. We talked about good versus evil or mature versus immature. They're, those are not value statements that have a hierarchy to them, okay? So we're all equal in the, in the eyes of God, okay? So don't think that this is a hierarchy thing. So if you could go to the first slide. So this is what I'm gonna use um, as my definition today. Awareness equals contemplation. I'm gonna use these interchangeably today, so don't let that be confusing. 
If you have specific questions about the concept of contemplation, start with awareness, and if you still need more, come talk to me because I can tell you a lot about contemplation. But essentially, contemplation means to observe carefully, to pay close attention. Mirabai Starr, who is a spiritual mother to me as well, she says, contemplative life flows in a circular pattern. Awe provokes introspection. So we look inside. When you look inside, it inspires awe. And one of my favorite lines, I don't know who said it, I saw it somewhere, be curious, be awestruck. Being curious is a better way to live because you'll never be disappointed in what you see, I think. So awareness is about connecting to the whole. And I don't know how many of you thought about that, but you're already connected. Science bears this out. Quantum entanglement is real. What you do matters. And if we're connected to the whole, then we are whole. There is no delineation between sacred and the secular. These are artificial constructs created by religion. Jesus tore down that divide. The veil in the temple was torn in two. The Holy of Holies was accessible to everybody when Jesus died on the cross. I watched a really random movie yesterday. I sent this quote to my friend Mandy, and it was about corrupt religion and the Robin Hood story. And the guy says, fear is the best motivator. Why do you think the church created hell? I mean, that's horrifying. It is our job as the people of God to correct that. So that's how I think we're to live this life. So we'll go to the next slide. Richard Rohr. Mature religion's main and final goal is to reconnect us, religio in the Latin, to the whole, to ourselves, and to one another, and thus heal us. Next slide. When we think about that, we can't get there. It's not a place that we are going. We are already there. Elaine of Lille says, God is a circle whose center is everywhere and circumference is nowhere, which means we are soaked in the presence of God. Imago, contemplation is an invitation to a new set of eyes, and I want you to take this poem by William Martin to heart. This hung in my kitchen for a long time. It's very stained. I tried to remember it when my children were little. It eventually came down because it was gross. But it just had been cooked on and everything. So, but I didn't want to get rid of it. But it didn't seem like it should be something that I had up in my kitchen. William Martin says this. Do not ask your children to strive for extraordinary lives. Such striving may seem admirable, but it is the way of foolishness. Help them instead to find the wonder and the marvel of an ordinary life. Show them the joy of tasting tomatoes, apples, and pears. Show them how to cry when pets and people die. Show them the infinite pleasure in the touch of a hand and make the ordinary come alive for them. The extraordinary will take care of itself. And I believe, Mago, that that is 100% true. The ordinary is already alive. Let's try to see it together. So we're gonna do a practice together. Um, but first, let's pause and think about what we think about God. Remember, part of being aware is trying to figure out why you think what you think. But how often do we have space to think about what we think about God? That sounded really convoluted. 
but it is so very important for us to do the work occasionally to examine what our images of God uh, contain. Um, so when we talk about why do we think what we think about God, this is actually a huge part of why EDO was created. It was to give people a space to examine their image of God. Um, so I would really love to see as many of you as possible on Wednesday. Just come talk about God with us. All right, so here are some questions to ponder before we do the practice, okay? So you can go to the next slide. What is your image of God when it comes to God being present? Is he everywhere or not? Do you think God sees you? If not, what's in the way? Do you think God wants to see you? Do you think God wants you to see him? So I'm going to read a well-known verse, Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. And we're going to, as I lead you through the practice, I'm going to read the verse. We're going to pause for a little bit. And then I'm going to read it in a different way. And I just want you to go with me on it. You can close your eyes. You don't have to. I'm not the person that closes their eyes when people tell me to. Um, <laughs> I try not to look around, but I don't close my eyes. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read and then pause for a little bit. So in those pauses, think about your image of God as it relates to this verse. Be still and know that I am God. All right. So first, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. Has anyone ever done that practice before? A couple of you. So great. What do you think? I did a really short. I'm not really good at like being slow when it comes to that. If we were in a more intimate setting, it'd probably be a lot slower, but I have other things to say. So I'm curious, does it, did anything come up for any of you? So you're thinking about it, Miss Libby? Okay, so Libby says it went from a being an outer thing to a more and more inner thing. Miss Kelly. Less resistance. There was less resistance? Yeah. I like that. All right. It became more and more obvious. Like, the person in my head, like, 
Renee says that it became more obvious the farther we went into it that that was obviously the only way to be. just perfect okay so miss linda said that it went from outer to community to interior her and god i just so you know i've done this practice several times i did it yesterday in my kitchen it's actually pretty difficult for me um, but i keep trying all right so we'll go to the next slide richard Rohr says this ultimately we do not earn or find god we just get ourselves out of the way. He continues in this quote to say, we let go of illusions and the preoccupations of our smaller selves. As the cheap scaffolding falls away, the soul stands revealed. The soul or true self cannot be created or achieved by our work, it just is, and it is already. The soul is God's I am, continued in me. Just like how we whittled down that verse. That part of me that already knows desires and truly seeks God. Discernment of God's will comes naturally to the true self because here I and God seem to be one I. How many of you have thought about that before, that you and God are one? It doesn't mean you're the same. It means you're utterly connected and whole in our creator. Inside each of us is the imago Dei, the image of God. Nothing can change that. Nothing can change that. The only thing that can happen is it gets covered up. And the work of our lives is to peel away the layers that have acquired, that we have acquired just by trying to survive in our world. Let me go to the next slide. There is no secret formula to experiencing the sacred in our lives. It just takes practice and practicality. The deep truth of our lives and the fullness we are striving for don't happen with someone giving us the code to deep knowledge. That actually was the first heresy the church refuted. It's called Gnosticism. Meaning and faith are not secret things. Sometimes what we need most is to remind one another of how the divine is all around us, calling us to see and taste it for and in ourselves. Has that been your experience, Imago? That meaning and faith are not secret things? If you have been taught that faith is only a certain way for a certain few, it's a lie. None of us is as faithful or as faithless as we think. We are all who we are because of the grace of God. And we are beautiful. We are messy. We are wonderful creatures that God absolutely adores and loves. 
Do not let anyone tell you otherwise. All right, next slide. Richard Rohr again says, in mature religion, the secular becomes sacred. There is only one world, and it's the supernatural one. All the bushes burn now that we've seen one burn. So I won't have these quotes on the slide, but I want to give you some other ways to think about how you might experience awareness in your life. Richard Rohr says, the visible world is an active doorway to the invisible world. And the invisible world is much larger than the visible. He also says, matter is and always has been the hiding place for the spirit, forever offering itself to be discovered anew. Perhaps this is exactly what Jesus means when he says, I am the gate. So if matter can't be created or destroyed, hopefully you guys learned that when you were small in school, matter cannot be created or destroyed, it can only be transformed. But if it's true that matter cannot be created or destroyed, then the spiritual also never dies, because it just said, remember, that matter is the like, hiding place for the spirit. So spiritual never dies. It only changes and offers itself again and again throughout time to be rediscovered, reappreciated, and beckons each new generation to be still and know that he is God, just like the practice we did earlier. So I'm going to read a quote from James Finley. James Finley is a, a Catholic um, psychotherapist who actually uh, was um, James, no, Thomas Merton was his um, confessor. Like he started out as a monk. Um, and like I said, he ended up going into psychotherapy, but he sat under Thomas Merton for a while. And I, if you ever have the opportunity to read Thomas Merton, I highly recommend him. But James Finley um, is, a, is a contemplative, like I said, a Catholic psychotherapist, and he says this. Before thought begins, the immediacy of the present moment, it is there that we fall into the presence of God. Here, in this unforeseen defenselessness, is granted the contemplative experience, however obscure it might be, that we are the cosmic dance of God. That the present moment, just the way it is, is already, in its deepest actuality, the fullness of union with God that we seek. So you can put up the slide. Oh, it's already there. So um, the present moment, just the way it is, is already in its deepest actuality, the fullness of union with God that we seek. Once you start reflecting on the moment that you're in, you are no longer in the moment because now you've separated yourself from it by thought. So what Finley is saying here is that the present is the union we seek. God is utterly present right now. Let's join him in it by letting everything else fall away. Um, a book that actually covers a lot of this and can kind of, it helped my understanding of it, was Surprised by Joy by C.S. Lewis. Um, we read that together in Dustin Heights book group a long time ago, and, and it actually was really good talking about how once you reflect on the moment, you're not in the moment anymore. Richard Rohr says it like this. The next slide. The great task of religion is to keep us fully awake, alert, and conscious then we will know whatever it is that we need to know. When we are present, 
we will know the presence. It is that simple and that hard. Too much religion has encouraged us to be unconscious, but God respects us too much for that. Religion has given us lists of rules, do's and don'ts. You don't have to think for yourself. We will tell you exactly what you need to do and how to think, and you'll go to heaven and everything will be fine. Sorry that that's a lie. I'm sorry that that's a lie. All right, so why does awareness matter? Good job, Vicki. You've explained contemplation is important. Why should I care? <laughs> All right, so before I get into why I think you should care, um, I want to mention the Enneagram when it comes to self-awareness. Uh, we did a conference here two years ago now. Last year. Last year. Time has no meaning. It's an artificial construct. Um, <laughs> but it's a great springboard for, to, it's, a, it's a great tool for awareness, right? So I'm a four, and if you know anything about the Enneagram, that is the best number. Um, <laughs> no one is like me. Um, but, but seriously... Um, this tool has given me a lot of insights over the years. So if you're interested in it and you don't know your number or you want more information about that, please talk to Melinda or Brian or Mandy or me. Uh, we, we've got you covered, okay? I can give you lots of resources. But anyway, I subscribe to a daily email that gives me insights just for my number. Sometimes, though, they're universal truths and not just for the four. So if you go to the next slide, this one I thought was really good. Ponder this universal teaching. So that means for everybody. When we are able to notice what we are doing now to experience our current state completely and without judgment, the old patterns will begin to fall away. This is why awareness matters. This is why you should care that you're aware. If you don't know what you're doing, you can't do anything about it. So transformation, or even to be clearer, those layers that we have to put on just to survive that we mentioned earlier, we have to have a job. We have to be connected to people. We can't be, you know, islands of independence. We have to have personalities because we have to interact with other human beings and other parts of nature. All of those things, they're not bad or wrong. They are necessary. But don't be mistaken, they're not who you really are. They really aren't. You're not your job, you're not your title, you're not your family. You're the image of God put on earth for me to experience another facet of the image of God. There are seven billion people on the planet. What a big God we must have. Awareness allows us to be active participants in our own lives, not who the world thinks we should be, but who we already are in Christ. We cannot get there. We can only be there. All right, next slide. This is another one from James Finley. I got to see him in person um, earlier this year at a conference. I, I could have sat and listened to him for days. Just wisdom falls off of him. He says, remaining faithful to our contemplative, our contemplative practices, this idea of paying attention on purpose, calls for the integrity of remaining faithful to a commitment that nobody sees. Fidelity to our contemplative practices evolves into habitual awareness 
that does not miss the surprise appearance of God showing up in something as immediate and simple as the sunlight that suddenly fills the room on a cloudy day. You're building your capacity for awareness every time you pay attention on purpose. All right, we've covered a lot of ground today, Amago, and I want you to soak it in, but I don't want you to stress. Um, as a spiritual director, one of the things that I rely on is a spiritual practice called holy remembering. Um, some spiritual directors do it different, but I don't take notes when I meet with a directee. I don't try to scramble and figure out what we talked about last time, because I believe that if I'm supposed to remember it, the spirit will remind me. So I'm asking you to practice holy remembering. If there's something you need to remember, even if you didn't write it down, God will bring it to mind when necessary. No worries. Because I, I soak myself in this stuff. I don't expect everybody to have the same compendium of quotes that I do. Um, like I said, I really like words. So I want to leave you with a chance to practice this idea of fidelity. Okay, so fidelity is a word that I don't think gets used very often in our culture, but the idea is to be passionately committed to something regardless of how you're feeling. I will say that if you've ever had the opportunity to read about it, the dark, side, dark night of the soul is real. It's when you don't feel God, but you have this compulsion to still believe. That's fidelity. Jesus asked his disciple at one point, do you guys wanna leave too? a whole bunch of people have just walked away from him. I think it's Jesus' most vulnerable question. And Peter says, where else would we go? You have the words of life. So, this chance to practice fidelity, even when you don't feel like it, that Vanilli is talking about in this quote, Slow down and notice something static, something stoic, something you usually overlook. Rohr says the purest form of spirituality is to find God in what is right in front of us. That is the purest form of spirituality, Amago. So on the info booth as you leave today, there's little half sheets of paper. And on it contains a practice for contemplation. It's called an examine. This one is called a contemporary examine. The examine has been around since St. Ignatius. I don't remember when he lived. It was a long time ago. Um, Catholic monk. But the idea of the examine, it allows you to focus what you're, like the end of your day, focus on it. It gives you the opportunity to pay attention on purpose. So it's like make yourself comfortable, maybe set the mood, rest in silence. And then you ask God basically to just sit with you while you think about your day. Think about what happened. Ask God into that. Now, remember, God's already present. So it's not like you're asking God for God's presence for him. You're asking God for God's presence for you. You're remembering that God is with you by saying, God, be with me. Okay? So it goes through, review your day, and then ask you some questions about your day. Like, what was a good thing? Why was it good? Did you thank God for it? But then it's like, what was bad? 
Or what was challenging? Ask God to heal that moment. In any case, the examine is an opportunity to pay attention on purpose. And so I really encourage you, like I said, these little half sheets of paper, they're on the info booth, and just try it. Uh, one of my instructors for my spiritual direction program, he had never done the examine. Uh, like, he never had a practice of it. And he's a, he was a Catholic friar. And um, so one of his brothers challenged him, well, why don't you just do it for 30, 20 minutes a day for 30 days? So like, I think he broke, up, broke it up into like 10 minutes that he'd do the examine in the morning, and 10 minutes he'd do the examine at night. And he said that after 30 days, he'd never stop doing it. It was that powerful for him. Somebody who had lived most of his life as a monk still found new ways to be aware of who God was to him and how God was present throughout his day. Anyway, so I really encourage you guys to do that. Brian, um, last week, encouraged us to use prayer beads and palm crosses. I messed up last week, and I was supposed to have prayer bead stuff out there for you guys, but it's out there today. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so if you want or you have questions about prayer beads, I, I use prayer beads. The, the, there's a way to, like a paper out there for how to make them and actually a, a link to a website that has some prayers that you can do so you don't have to just start with nothing. All right, so the worship team can come up. So I want to end with one more quote as they make their way up here. This is from Mirabai Star. You can go to the last slide. Mirabai Star, she says, so as you sit down to meditate, so contemplate, become aware, do the examine, you sit down not only because it helps you to find rest in the arms of the formless beloved, but also because it increases your chances of being stunned by beauty when you get back up. Encounters with the sacred that radiate from the core of the ordinary embolden you to cultivate stillness and simple awareness in the midst of a world that is begging you to distract yourself. This is no easy practice. Yet you keep showing up. You are indomitable. You are thirsty for wonder. Be thirsty for wonder, Amago. You will not be disappointed. <laughs>